0: Welcome to Truth and Liberty. Thank you for joining our interactive daily broadcast where trusted leaders bring insights and analysis to the issues from a biblical perspective. According to the Bible, it's the truth you know that sets you free. So call in today to get biblical answers, information and resources to help you stand for truth and effect godly change in our nation and the world. And now here's your host, Andrew Womack.
1: Hello and welcome to our Wednesday Truth and Liberty Live call-in show. I'm Andrew Womack and today I've got Alex McFarland and Richard Harris with me. And I tell you, we, we are enjoying doing this together. And uh, we'll have a great time. Again, the format is 30 minutes. We'll spend the first 30 minutes kind of just talking about current things. And then we'll spend an hour taking your calls. So if you would like to call in, the number is 719-619-2341 and we'll take your questions on whatever we're talking about, or you can ask anything you want to, and if I can't answer it, I'll let Alex and Richard
2: answer
1: <laughs> That works for me. Well. So I'm sure that you know these guys. They, have, they are regular hosts on our Truth and Liberty Live call-in show, but uh, Richard is the director of our Truth and Liberty, and he does just a lot of things. Also, you've stepped back in. To the uh, business school. Uh, Practical practical government. I I said that same thing yesterday. Practical government school. He used to do that before he got too involved in truth and liberty, Mm -hmm. and he was kind of (laughs) coerced into going (laughs) back in. And you've got a great assistant. The need arises. Anyway, (laughs) it's going to work out. And Alex is in, uh, is it South Carolina? North Carolina. North
3: Carolina, yeah. Greenville, uh, Greensboro, B- North Carolina. Greensboro, C- I knew it was something green. Greensboro, North Carolina. But uh, guys, I've been all over the country. We did seven youth camps this summer. Right. Really? We did. There's a video online somewhere of me doing a zip line and dropping into a lake. You know. Oh, is that right? We <laughs> had 1,200 kids in summer camp, and 300 made a salvation decision, and we just give God the glory. Uh, so I have, a, I have a, a audio clip on my phone where the kids in every camp uh, I have them say and they say it enthusiastically, we are the generation who will restore America. Amen. Amen. Can you imagine uh, 300 middle schoolers saying, we are the generation who will restore America. Now, are these one church camp or are they multiple churches coming oh, together? From all over. And, and you know, you've said that we're in a great awakening. Let me tell you, to have encouragement, we were in Indiana. We had rented a camp down there. We had a family come from Seattle, Washington, flew in, brought their kids. We were in Georgia, and we had kids from Mississippi, Florida, Texas. And so there's a movement building. I truly believe it. Amen. Mm -hmm. You know, we just finished up with our Healing
1: is Here conference, and we had in our biggest attendance in one service was 2,500 and something. And we had over 30 nations represented. Wow. Praise it God! It was phenomenal. I mean, they came from everywhere. Wow, that's it awesome. was really good. So, uh, man, we saw a lot of healings. Saw probably a thousand people that manifested the healing. These aren't that's people crazy. that were just praying and wanting it, but a thousand people who manifested. We had multiple sclerosis people that weren't able to walk and oh, heal, and we we saw some great things. Had Benny Hinn with us, mm-hmm. and uh, he loved it. Yeah he loved it and we loved having him and it was Amen. it was really good. Let me just say that we are coming up with another Truth and Liberty conference and that's
0: what are the dates on that? September 7th through 9th.
1: And I tell you this last Truth and Liberty conference that we had I think is one of the best conferences we have ever held on any subject wow. any place. It was powerful and I, I So anyway, I know that God never gives dessert first. That means this year is going to be even better. Amen, amen. (laughs) And as a matter of fact, we've got a little clip. I have said that Richard Harris ministering at last year's Truth and Liberty Conference is one of the best ministries I think I've ever heard. And so we've got, I think it's just a little minute clip, but we'd like to tease this and encourage you to come and be a part of it because it's going to really be good. So let's watch this little clip and we'll be right back.
0: Let's stop pretending. Let's stop playing games here. We need to face this reality. But I've got some good news for you today. I've got some really, really good news for you today. Because it says in the book of Haggai and in the book of Zechariah, which we'll see in a second, that God will have his house rebuilt and he will inhabit that house and pour his glory out in it. Just like Zerubbabel and just like Joshua were called to work together to rebuild the house of God so that the Lord could manifest his glory in a pagan and corrupted land, God is commanding and calling us today to rebuild his house in our land, in our culture, so that he may manifest his glory to this pagan culture and this pagan land. Amen. That was awesome.
1: <laughs> I agree with that. <laughs> Amen. I tell you, Richard, that was powerful. And it Amen. wasn't just his last conference. The year before was also just phenomenal. So who do we have this year? I know we got Janet Porter, uh, David Barton, who else is coming? Chad Connolly, Alex McFarland, uh, and uh, Muhammad Faridi. Oh, Muhammad is yes. awesome. I know some people that they hear that name and they think, What are you doing? Uh-huh. This guy is a radical believer. Yeah, he is. And I just love him. He was practicing jihad. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I've never got him to just say this, but he's implied that he was actually killing people. Mm. I don't know if he did, but I know for sure he was shooting. At people, whether he ever actually killed him, I think he may be doing that for liability issues. But mm. he's a little non-committal. But he was radical, jihadist, got born again, and now he is the sweetest, oh, kindest guy. Yeah. I mean, he the
0: is so. Love gentle. of God is just flows out of the guy. It's amazing. It's just awesome. And so anyway, he has a lot to share. Lucas Miles will also oh, yeah. be with us, Very good. Pastor Lucas Miles. Yep. And And um, we got to mention the, the drama, the play. Yeah. yeah. So. Uh, Elizabeth Murin has written a brand new drama to commemorate the overturn of Roe versus Wade and it's called Overturned. Mm. I think it's going to be one of the most powerful dramas that we've seen yet, and we've seen some amazing ones. And she her. shared it with you? Yeah, we. I got to sit down with her, and she walked through it with me, and and I got choked up. And I
1: haven't I, had that much exposure, but every time that she's talked to me or anybody else has talked to me about it, who's seen it, they get teary-eyed mm-hmm. just thinking about it, and they hadn't even seen the production yet.
0: Uh, yeah, Elizabeth. Give it away, but it's going to be amazing.
1: Elizabeth is a oh my word. Boy, what a gift from God. And I mean, it's just amazing what she does.
0: She read 15 books of real people in the abortion industry, abortion experience, and everything, uh, doctors and activists. And uh, she's going to tell the human side of this in a way that's just going to move people.
1: And I think it's important that we still be emphasizing this because some people think, well, the battle's over with Roe versus Wade overturning, and it's not. It's just now shifted to the state level. And there's some states, like Colorado is one of them, that is trying to uh, enshrine abortion in our Constitution. So mm-hmm. the battle
3: is raging. Amen. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It is. We so still right. got a lot to do. Elizabeth's dramas are so amazing. And um, as you all well know, Karis has a performing arts department that you, it's just unlike anything else you'll see anywhere. I was
1: working today and I had this stump I was trying to get up and I. And it was pretty well rooted in there. And, man, I was using this axe and hitting that thing. And I'd just take a few swings and rest. And there was a 21-year-old guy that came over to help me. And he just got after it. And I mean, in nothing flat, we got it done. And I was talking to him, and he said he came to school. And he had never heard of me. But Elizabeth went down to Texas. He's from Denton, Texas. And she was filming down there, and a friend of his asked him to go facilitate something that Elizabeth uh, was doing. And anyway, he said once he met Elizabeth, he said he was all over. And she said, if you don't come to school, I'm going to come back and drag you. And so he came. He's now going into second year. And he says he just loves it. It's transformed his life. But I tell you, Elizabeth, you had her on Truth and Liberty yes.
0: not long ago. Yeah, a few
1: days ago. So yeah. you, were you talking about this? Yeah, um, we were talking about the show. Oh, so, so you've already teased that. Yeah. Really good.
3: Yeah, well, y- you know, speaking of drama and performing arts, uh, Angie and I were here during Summer Family Bible Conference, and I had the privilege of speaking to the youth. And in um, the big, I, we call it the barn, but it's Anything but like a barn. It's
1: I'm the one that named it the
3: barn. Really? Don't go to criticize yeah, it. Okay. name. Okay. Well, so <laughs> what's the official name of the build, the large building where we have dinners and meetings? And it's
1: the auditorium. The I'm really creating. No, the
3: banquet banquet
4: the, hall. Banquet the hall.
3: Yeah,
1: where we have the well, dinners. the banquet hall is upstairs in the
3: barn. It, yeah, okay. And then the auditorium is the other bill. I'm just well, really d- creative. During Summer Family Bible Conference, it was like Bethlehem or the Holy yeah. oh, Land. Did yeah. you see it? it? Oh, yeah. And it was phenomenal. Uh, let me tell you, there has never been anything on Broadway comparable yeah. for what Elizabeth Murin does here in the drama. And listen, that's just one of the great third-year programs, isn't it? Amen. It's awesome. And I tell you, it,
1: they had everything to where you could go and make bread and do things Mm. and you could sword fight and they took the kids through and they did all these things. But did you know that some of the kids we're eating the plastic grapes and plastic <laughs> bananas and stuff. Elizabeth said she never thought of that, and so next year they're going to have to rethink it so that yeah. people won't be eating all yeah. of the props. Wow, <laughs> It just that's does. funny.
3: Well, well, in the Truth and Liberty Conference, which is September seven through nine. Yes, sir. And, and by the way, if people go to truthandliberty.net, they can find out can complete register. information. Yeah. But they'll so you're saying one of Elizabeth's dramas will be a part of the program. Well, people actually, understand.
1: this drama is during the Truth and Liberty and then on 9-11, we've got a special drama mm-hmm. on, on the anniversary of 9-11. How, right, be the, what, 22nd year?
0: Yeah, yeah, that's right,
1: 22nd, 22nd year. year. So we're gonna have a drama during Truth and Liberty and then one on the Monday after.
0: Yeah, well it's been a little over one year since Roe versus Wade was yeah. overturned and uh, you know, that has to go down is one of the most significant events in American history, I think, is the reversal of that case.
1: And you yeah. know, we we talk about so many negative things that are happening because we're trying to motivate people to stand up and fight against it and stuff, but there are a lot of good things. And this Roe versus Wade, I think five years ago there's only a handful of people that would have ever believed Roe versus Wade would have been overturned. Yep. It, it happened. And that is a major victory.
0: Amen.
3: Well, and let me just say this, that it, had it not been for Donald Trump's appointments to the U.S. Supreme, Supreme Court of absolutely. Gorsuch Kavanaugh and Amy Coney Barrett, that was the tipping point.
0: Mm-hmm.
3: Yep. Yep. And it all
0: goes back to original intent. And,
1: and in case somebody hadn't it. heard this, I've, I said on March the 5th, uh, 2021, I was in Oklahoma City and the Lord spoke to me and said that uh, the people in that auditorium would be telling the young people of their generation about what it was like to be a part of the Third Great Awakening. And I believe that was a word from God for me. So I believe it's in process. But then on uh, July the 4th of this year, we were having a another musical and stuff, and we were praising God, and I was just thanking God for the 247th anniversary of this nation, and the Lord spoke to me again. And he said on the 250th anniversary, three years from now, that the tide will have turned, and it will be so evident that even the secular news will be reporting on it. Mm. And so those those two things, I believe we are in a third great awakening, and I believe that within the next three years, on July the fourth, twenty twenty six, we will actually be seeing evidence of it and the unbelievers will be seeing I think the is gonna turn. Amen. So that's 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 awesome. Oh, Amen. Praise
0: God, yeah. I remember when you, you gave that word, it was like yep. super encouraging.
1: So uh, Alex, you sent us a thing about a a
3: group there in North Carolina, wasn't it? Uh, Well, South Carolina, actually. And this news story is kind of uh, developing even as we speak. Uh, uh, On the East Coast, there's a place called Myrtle Beach. A lot of people will have heard of Myrtle Beach. And uh, it's what my grandmother actually operated a hotel there up through the 1960s. And it was called the City of Churches. Now, it's a beach resort. But there's a ministry there called Ground Zero. I've known about this ministry for about 20 years, and the leader is a wonderful, godly man named Scott Pacer. And Ground Zero, in addition to sharing the gospel, um, they renovated a a movie theater that had gone out of business. And Ground Zero, they feed the homeless, they do activities, but they share the gospel, and they lead thousands to Christ. And uh, we've partnered with them to do conferences and youth events, and on their website, as a Christian ministry, it says they believe marriage is between a man and a woman, and uh, they lay out the biblical stance on morals and marriage. Well, um, the Myrtle Beach City Council recently showcased, as they do different businesses and churches and entities, they did a little focus, given a big thumbs up for Ground Zero. Well, as we've seen so often, the LGBTQ trans people I didn't like it. And they said, oh, that's not inclusive. And they've been calling on the city council of Myrtle Beach to uh, condemn Ground Zero, to apologize. We're sorry. Uh, And so I wrote an op-ed that's going to go out. And I said, look, um, the, the LGBTQ trans bullies, really, And they go after businesses, they go after localities, they've gone after denominations, they've gone after universities, even Christian universities. It's basically, you know, deny the word of God and, Kowtow to our threats, or we'll cancel you. We'll do this and that. And I, I was just saying, as a as a, a mid-Atlantic, East Coast guy, I pray that the city leaders of Myrtle Beach will understand that of the, of the 19 million people a year that vacation there, 99% believe in God and country and American values. There's churches all up and down the Grand Strand. And uh, city leaders of Myrtle Beach, please don't abandon Ground Zero. Scott and his team are doing a vital work. They're feeding homeless kids. They're, They're such a force for benevolence, and yes, a force for the gospel.
1: Let me ask a question. Why is it that with the majority of people support conservative things, and five years ago, what you're talking about would not have happened. Why is it that government, schools, and things are so quick to bow to, to the LGB?
3: Roll over and play dead. Why is it? Well, I think it's fear. And, and I've got to say this. Um, throughout Texas, there's a wonderful ministry that I know of called, uh, and I'm not going to give their name because I don't want the LGBTQ mafia to go after them. But let, let me just say, all over America, There are thousands of Christian ministries, soup kitchens, clothes closets, youth programs, quietly going about doing the Lord's work and, yes, standing for God's Word. And so what happens is, and precedents are set, when cities roll over and play dead and, you know, you've got a handful of noisy You know, LGBTQ trans activists going against the vast majority of the values—not only the values of the majority of people, but the values that made this country great for two centuries plus. We've got to have—and pastors, leaders, educators, persons in authority—have courage. Say, look, no, no harm, no foul, but no, we will not sell our nation's soul out for the LGBTQ ideology.
1: Yeah, I agree 100% with everything you said, but you didn't answer my question. Okay. Why is
0: it that they are so quick to cave, Richard? Well, I think it's because of, we're. this didn't just start five years ago. This started decades and decades well, ago, the secularization of our culture, the intimidation uh, that we're not supposed to speak out in public, and the slow introduction of, of ideas like, uh, morality is relative. There's no such thing as absolute truth. And the pushing of Christians more and more into the corner um, has I agree just emboldened the culture. I agree and it started,
1: but it was a fringe group and they did not have the high ground. They weren't right. driving the thing. Why is it that Well,
0: it's they're very honest. organized and very well funded and we have been asleep while they've been sowing the tares and we're waking up to this disaster uh, and we're just behind the the curve.
3: And they're very militant. You know,
1: I, I agree with all of those things. But also, why is it that people that five years ago would have just kicked out this thing about there's nothing wrong ground zero is helping people and doing all of these things. Why is it that those same people now will just instantly turn the first time they get criticized? They wouldn't have done it five years ago. And I agree it's been coming a long time.
0: Yeah, I think that's a spiritual answer. It is. But well, they, they're not rooted in the truth, right? And so they'll go wherever the wind's blowing.
3: Yeah. Everybody needs conviction and courage. Conviction is knowing what you believe. Courage is willing to stand for it. Mm. And uh, you know, I, I just feel like that. Well, there, there's a quote, and David Barton could correct me. It's very often attributed to a guy named Edmund Burke. That mm-hmm. all that is necessary for evil to triumph is for good men to do nothing.
1: But that's been true throughout history. It's been true five years ago, ten years ago, all of this kind of stuff. Are people all of a sudden wimps, whereas they weren't wimps five years ago? Or has the opposition been emboldened? Are they the difference? I don't know that people, I don't know that believers are any different than they were. They've been asleep for decades. Mm. They haven't been standing up. But the but the contrast between the ungodly and the godly is radically different than it was just five years ago.
0: Well, I, you know, there's probably a lot of stuff that goes into it, but um, the people that are looking at which way the wind's blowing, they're going to be determining their answer based on what's best for them. And, you know, with the media captive and, and they will mercilessly assault you and ruin your reputation. And just look at Donald Trump, you know, yeah, a man who sacrificed right. his fortune in his life to serve his country and what they've done to him and if they can do that to him, you
3: know, I think people are intimidated and and they need leadership. Well, well, there's a, a debate tactic called an ad hominem attack and that's Latin, it means to the man. And the way that the LGBTQ trans people, they'll say, well, you're homophobic or you're hateful. You're transphobic, so you're you're afraid of what you don't understand. They'll say, or you're you're being hateful. No, uh, and I, I would say this, and I, I've said it uh, in many a locality. don't hate anybody. Not afraid of anybody, but we are not at liberty to change the word of God. Won't change the word of God, and we're not going to deny reality. We love you. Come to Christ as all people should, but we. We've got to have the conviction to lovingly but decisively say we will not betray truth.
1: Well, I'm sincere in asking this question. I don't feel like I have a total answer. But I don't think that Christians are more woke than they were five years ago. I think that the church has been in trouble for a long time. Mm -hmm. I don't think um, that the ungodly just all of a sudden became ungodly. This has existed. There's been rumblings of this, you know, throughout history. I mean, this human nature is always there, but something was holding it back. And things that are now, they are actually coming against the Bible. And if you quote the Bible, they will start using things in the Bible. Like if you say that we shouldn't have these books in our library for our kids, they'll start quoting things in the Bible that are pretty racy and say, we need to ban the Bible. They wouldn't have done things like that. There is a
0: switch. Could it be the that were in the perilous times that uh, Paul prophesies?
1: Well, that's kind of what I'm asking.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because really, uh, I think that
1: sin has always been there. You know, when I was a kid, my dad died when I was 12 years old. And uh, he was sick the whole time. He actually died when I was two years old, raised from the dead. And so all my growing up, he was sickly. He never threw a ball with me or did anything. And so when he died, a guy in the church wanted to take me camping and I thought, wow, I'd never been camping. But they wouldn't let me go. And I didn't even know what happened. But my mother went and asked the pastor. And the pastor, he was a homosexual. Mm. And they didn't tell me that. They just And they didn't bar him from church. They let him come to church. But they weren't going to let him take out any of the kids. So that was there 60 years ago. There were people like that. But they were hidden. They mm. weren't malicious. They weren't open. Today, if you were to have a guy invite a kid to go on a camping trip, and you said no because you're a homosexual, he'd file a lawsuit. Yeah, you wouldn't have done those kind of things, and so something has changed. And I don't, uh, I don't think that the church is more asleep now than it was five or ten years ago. I think that the ungodly have been emboldened. They are militant. Uh, something has happened in the spiritual realm that has just giving them the freedom to come out
0: like never before. You know, it says uh, um, that God will turn them over to strong delusion because they receive not the love of the truth. That, what's that? Second Thessalonians? Second
1: Thessalonians chapter 10 verses and, 9, 10, 11.
0: Um, and 11. And, you know, the I, I personally wonder whether the strong delusion began with the theory of evolution, Andrew, because um, for how many... Decades now have our kids been raised in schools where they're taught that we're an accident. And if you believe that, if you believe God did not create you, then there is no morality, there is no standard, there is no truth. No. And everything else becomes whatever you want it to be. It's possible that what we're seeing is the
1: culmination of evolution, uh, you know, relative morality, the Jesus, uh, the movement was the hippie movement, you know, countered mm-hmm. it, and all of these. It could be a multitude of things just all of a sudden uh, you know, coming together, yeah. mm-hmm. or is there something
3: that has happened currently that has brought all of these things together? You, you know, you about. mentioned the Second Thessalonians 2, and 7 and following talks about the, the church and the Holy Spirit being a restraining force, restraining evil. It's almost like the church and the, the presence of the gospel in the culture is almost like immunity. You know, just like our bodies have immunity yep. to ward off sickness. And I think part of the reason that the lost have become emboldened and that we're seeing iniquity on the rise is because the restraining force, God's people and the church, um, has been quiet. I agree, but they've been quiet for decades. Yeah. So it's not yeah. new.
1: You know, uh, Dwayne Sheriff said it this way. I don't know if he said it or if he said something that made me think this way, but. You know, New Orleans is built below sea level, yeah. and they have Lake Pontchartrain that's actually up above it, but they have these levees there that hold it back. When they had that hurricane come through, the levee Levy was broken. Broke. That's what flooded it. It wasn't the ocean. Mm. It was Lake Pontchartrain, mm. and in a sense, the human nature and the sinfulness in human nature has always been there, but you have these things that hold it back, like 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. And Uh, whatever has been holding back this evil which has existed for generations, all of a sudden has been removed. And I mean, we are seeing an influx of evil. Now, I believe that the body is gonna win. I believe that we're in the Third Great Awakening. I believe in three years we're gonna be even seeing the secular news media talk about the revival and how things are turning back. But at the moment, it is just amazing to me how that things that you wouldn't have questioned just a couple of years ago are now you are looked at as being extreme.
0: You know, uh, I had I was telling you before the show I had local pastor Todd Hudnall on our program yes. the other night, and he and his wife talked about a dream that they had several years back. Um, I think it was in 2012 um, where he saw a hole open in heaven, and and a flood of demons came, and the Lord spoke to him and said. Everything is about to change. Now, sometimes I take that stuff with a grain of salt, but, but I, I think there, um, there's something to that, you know, that we can't, a lot of Christians are living based on how they were raised, how they grew up, and what America used to be like, and we think we can continue doing church and stuff the same way. And it's only the radical that are going to survive. It's yeah. only those 100% committed, and discipleship's a daily matter. we got to take responsibility for our kids, for our homes, for our communities, and everything. And we can't just put it off yeah. on the pastor anymore.
1: Well, I agree. And all of these things we've talked about are definitely elements, but it's all demonic. Mm-hmm. We said this before the program, that it's a spirit of antichrist. Yes. There's not a spirit of anti-Muslim. There's not a spirit of anti-homosexuality. There's not a spirit of any anti-anything except God and His kingdom. And so it is Mm -hmm. demonic. And we are in a spiritual battle. And we're the only ones qualified to deal with this. Mm -hmm. We can't expect the unbelievers to turn this situation around. So we're just about to our break. Man, we could talk all about it. There's so much to talk about. But anyway, we're going to take a short break. And we're going to come back. We've got, I think, full lines right now. But uh, if you want to, you can call 719-619-2341. We're going to take about a 90-second break and advertise some of the things coming up, and then we'll be right back to take your call. So remember, it's 719-619-2341. We'd love to talk to you, put you on the air, and hear what you've got to say. Let's take this break, and we'll be right back. It's not enough to know what God's will is, but you have to learn how to do things God's way. Now, because of the new man on the inside of me, because of the cross, I can daily deny self. And if you don't learn to do that, you're not gonna fulfill all God's will for your life. You know, you don't find the beginning of God until you get to the end of yourself.
5: Hi, my name is Carrie Pickett, and like many of you, I wear lots of hats. But most of all, I'm a child of God. Ever since I was young, my desire has been to share the unconditional love of God. There is nothing more rewarding to me than people changing their lives and then changing the world. That's why I'm inviting you to join me wherever you are, and let's discover together these foundational truths that will transform your life.
1: Praise God, we're back. We're ready to take some calls. Let me just say that, man, I love having uh, multiple guys on. I enjoy visiting with you more than I do when I'm doing it
0: by myself. Well, thanks, I do too.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I don't know, you know, Ecclesiastes chapter four says two are better than one, and a threefold cord is not quickly broken. And so there is a synergy that takes place when you get people together. I really enjoy it, it's awesome. So let's go to the phones. We got Karen from Washington calling in, and so Karen, you're on the air with uh, Richard and Alex and Andrew.
5: Okay, are you there? Yes, ma'am. Okay, I cannot believe day by day, whether on the newscast, whatever it is, why is butchering and transgendering of teenagers continuing? to be promoted day by day, whatever it is, however it is. I cannot stand it. I wish I could do something about it. And having all my seven grandkids in private school doesn't make me feel any better.
1: Well, Karen, I I share your anger about it. And I think it's good. You should be angry about this. This is demonic. It's exactly what we were talking about in the first segment. Uh, This is not normal. It is a demonic opposition that's come out. And you can do something about it, Karen. You can, of course, pray and stand up. And then I think you said you had seven grandkids. You can definitely influence them. And you may think that that's not very much in the scope of things. But, you know, one of the things that uh, David Barton has said on this program multiple times is that all of our information now is national news. And we hear all of these national things. And when you hear things on a national scale, you think, what does my little bit of influence have? But really, you have a lot of influence on your seven grandkids, on people that go to your church, on neighbors, people that you deal with. And if every believer, Karen, was to stand up and just start influencing the place where you are, And if we had all of the people, we got, I don't even know how many thousands of people watching this program right now. And I can guarantee you the vast majority of them are just as upset and frustrated as you are. And if all of these thousands of people just started doing what they could do, uh, we could see a big impact. So you don't need to be so frustrated thinking that nothing is taking place because it is. And they're begin, they're even beginning to have homosexuals come out and criticize the. Yeah. they're trying to transition people into another sex. And even homosexuals are, are getting upset with it. Yeah. yeah, the gay activists have overplayed their hand. They have. They've yeah. gone so far that even the ungodly
0: are recognizing yeah. this. this is weird. Well, um, Alex, I'm sure you have something to, to say on this. But I want to say, Karen, that there are things you can do Um, And Andrew's, uh, of course, uh, 100% right. Start with your own family and uh, take responsibility and make sure that your grandkids and kids, even if your kids are adults, that they know what the Word of God says on this issue and that they're discipled in that. But what about your local church? Uh, Does it it preach the truth on these issues? Um, And and if it does, then does it have uh, a culture impact team or a biblical citizenship course? We have links on our website that you can go to that would equip you to host that, lead that. You can take that information to your pastor and and, uh, see if you can get something started there in your local church and make a difference. And last, I wanna mention Family Policy Alliance, one of our strategic partners, Uh, reach out to them. Uh, They they have information on this subject that you can use and send to your state legislator. They have model legislation on it. So there's a bunch of stuff you can do to to let that anger produce some, some good results.
1: And on our website, you've got a lot of these connections. That's right. And so give them all that, how they would take advantage.
0: Well, of it. just go to truthandliberty.net, to the resource center there, and there's a whole section on LGBT issues. And you can find uh, all kinds of information there, and then uh, also a section on culture impact teams and biblical citizenship courses. So you just go into there, the resource page, and uh, you can find all that.
1: And you also said they're going to put up a QR code. I yes, think sir. it's on the screen. And that, if they uh, click on that, they could register for our Truth and Liberty Conference?
0: That's exactly right. Yeah, point your phone at that QR code, and the little yellow box will show up. And you just touch that, that box, and it'll take you right to our registration page.
3: Amen. You got anything to say on this? Well, your labor in the Lord is not in vain. Amen. 1 <laughs> Corinthians 15, 58. And I know it might seem like you know a David and Goliath uh, proposition. But I, I truly believe Isaiah 55 says the word of God does not return void. W- when we influence others, we pray, yeah. we intercede, we try to sow a seed of gospel truth in the lives of people. I believe that our labor in the Lord is not in vain.
1: We're going to win.
3: Amen. Amen. God
1: is on our side. God does not want this nation to go the way that it's going, and he just needs
3: some people to stand up. Uh, May I say one last thing? Uh, George Barna of the Barna Research Group, very, very respected guy, Christian guy, and and I know George Barna. I've interviewed him. About two years ago, I had him on a show, and he told me that basically 80% of church members want their pastor to preach about moral, social, political issues, but only about 9% of all ministers do. So go to your pastor and say, Pastor, we want you to lay it out there, what thus saith the Lord. And so let me just say to the senior pastors watching, and I know there are many, because I just got a text from a pastor friend in North Carolina, he just said, good stuff. Darrell Davis, thanks for watching. (laughs) But uh, pastors, be bold. Use your influence and in your platform and your pulpit to call your people to truth. And then last Friday night, my guest on Truth and Liberty was um, Debbie Wuthnow of I, Voter Guide. Mm-hmm. And so pray, influence others, stay equipped, and uh, together we will make a difference.
1: Amen. Thanks for your call, Karen. Let's go to John. In New York, and you are on Truth and Liberty with Richard, Alex, oh, my and name Andrew. Is Johnny
4: Adams and um, Andrew. I want
6: to know something.
4: At the last part of the, after everything's over, will God, everything's over. In the last part, will it be animals or earth living with us?
1: Well, you know, um, it's hard to say definitive all of these things, but I can say definitively from Scripture, it talks about that the lion will day, lay down with the lamb. A child will play on the hole of the asp and things like this. And so there are going to be animals in heaven. People want to know, is my animal going to be in heaven? I have no idea. I personally don't think that every animal is going to be resurrected, but I know that every animal type, every kind mm-hmm. will be there. And so, yes, there are going to be animals on the new heaven and the new earth. And beyond that, I don't know that we can get a lot more definitive than that. My
0: my wife and I have an ongoing debate over this. According to her, our dogs will be in heaven, and I say, well...
1: (laughs) I know that there are some people that are just adamant about that. It wouldn't be heaven without them. Uh, You are missing, I think, what heaven is all about. When we see the glory of God, and when we see our own relative unworthiness, like people today don't recognize how far we've fallen and they're comparing themselves among themselves and thinking, I'm a good person. Man, wait until you see the glory of God. You, mm. will, you will just be shattered. And then when God says, well done, and you're going to be so appreciative mm. that, man, uh, 100 million years won't be enough to just say thank Him. And you, you're going to forget Amen. your dog or your cat. That's the way I look at it. Amen. Amen. So anyway, let's go to Christine here in Illinois. Uh, You're on Truth and Liberty with Richard and Alex and Andrew. Welcome, Christine.
2: Well, thank you. It's such a pleasure. Um, I have two quick questions. One is, why in the Bible, like in Corinthians and, and even in the Apostles' Creed, when they talk about the resurrection of Jesus, they say, and he rose again on the third day? why do they put again in there
3: uh, let me speak to this for a second okay. in 1st Thessalonians 4:14 is the word he rose again and uh let me say what it does not mean. It does not mean that he had died at some previous point and risen, and then when he rose on the third day, it was a second resurrection. I looked up the Greek word, and it's a Greek word, anestimai, and it means he rose and appeared, really. Now, in the English translation, they'll say he rose again, but it it basically was an emphatic way of saying he physically rose, kind of reminds me in, um, Uh, Luke 24, where it says, touch me and see, a spirit hath not flesh and bones as you see me have. So in the first Thessalonians 4, 14, it was basically an emphatic way of saying he literally, undeniably, physically rose from the dead. That's very good. Now, see, I wouldn't have been able to give that answer. I've,
1: I've never even thought about rose again. So, Anyway, Christine, thanks for the question. Did you say you had a, a second question?
2: Yes, I, I have a hard time separating the, the reverence, the awe, the holiness of God from Abba when I'm praying. And, and I, I just keep going back and forth. It must, sounds like a silly question, but do you have any comments on that?
1: Well, I'm assuming that you're referring to Abba as that's an affectionate term like we would say Daddy. And so you're saying, how do you relate to God as this holy, awesome God and at the same time relate to Him as a loving Father? Is that your question? Is that it, Christine? Yes. Okay. So um, I don't know that I have a total answer to this. You know, it's hard for finite people to understand an infinite God. And God is so awesome. The scripture says he can put the entire universe in the span of his hand. That means it fits in the width of his hand. And the universe is hundreds of billions of light years. And yet how could that God become and live in a body and do the, I don't totally understand it, but I do accept it. And I accept that it's because God so loved the world that he did these things. So I don't diminish the awesomeness of God. I think he is much greater, much holier than what any of us have ever truly perceived. But at the same time, I don't diminish the fact that he loves us so much that he wants us to come and crawl up in his lap and, and have an affectionate relationship with him. I, they seem to be opposites, but I think they fit.
0: I think, and and I agree 100% with that, Um, uh, I think it's the when we realize how magnificent, and and we can't comprehend it, but when we meditate on how magnificent and amazing and huge and powerful he is, and then we think about his love for us, that's when first is it? First John five one. Behold, what manner of love the Father has bestowed upon Amen. us that we should be called the children of God. His love becomes so amazing, yeah. and and they are linked in that way. It, it's uh, it's incredible that God would love us, little us. We live for seventy years or so if we're if we're blessed, and and uh, and yet He wants a relationship with us. It's awesome.
1: You know, it's a poor comparison. I admit. So apologize before. I even say this, but if somebody really reverenced me and uh, felt intimidated, like how could you love me? It's because of who I am that I love you, not because of who they are or something like that. And if they felt so unworthy of me loving them that they wouldn't let me love them, that actually would be a criticism. It actually would be unbelief. It would grieve me. And God is like that. God is so awesome that none of us deserve it, but he loves us so much that he has made himself available like this. And we just need to accept it and enjoy it.
3: You know, this, this is probably not a great Amen. analogy, but there's a very famous picture of John F. Kennedy when he was president. And he's at his desk on the phone yeah. running the world. And on the floor underneath the desk is his son yeah. laying there coloring in a coloring book. Yeah. and. I'm not comparing, you know, God, obviously, to JFK, oh, okay, yeah, but yeah, the I power, understand. here here's the most powerful man in the world at that time, but his little boy that he loved so dearly could just lay under his desk and color in a coloring book. And Almighty God, this is the most amazing thing, the grace of God, mm-hmm. that He loves us. Yeah. Yeah. He knew our name before we were in our mother's womb. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah I don't know that
1: we can totally comprehend it, but that's not going to keep me from enjoying it. Amen. Mm-hmm. Did you know it was just a couple of weeks ago, I was out working and I was listening to this praise music and I bet you I said a hundred times during the day that Jesus, I love you. And I just was loving him and he spoke to me so clearly and he says, I know it.
3: (laughs) Yeah, amen, (laughs) amen.
1: And that's not a big thing, but it just blessed me so much to think that he knew that I loved him and he accepted it and he didn't say, you sorry thing, you aren't worthy to be talking to me that way. I don't know. I just you
0: know, enjoy it. Jesus called God the Father Abba, mm-hmm. and it, uh, My understanding is that's uh, a term that we don't really have in English. It's it's more respectful than daddy, but it's not as formal as father. Um, and 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 he told us to pray the same way. When he was raised from the dead, he told the women that greeted him. He said, "Go and tell my brethren." Yeah. that There's I will meet them in Galilee. Call us and mm-hmm. and so we have the same relationship with God that Jesus Christ has. He says in John 15, as the Father has loved me, even so have I loved you. That is just mind-blowing. And uh, we can't get our heads around it. All we can do is receive it and rejoice and praise Him for yeah, it. Amen. You know?
1: And I'm sure that when we go to heaven, I'm going to be laid out just <laughs> seeing the glory of God. But... I'm also going to even understand more about how he could love us. It's because of his great love, not because we're lovely. Amen. Amen. So thanks, Christine. Thank you for your call. So we've got Lionel, and he's international from Canada. You're on Truth and Liberty with uh, Richard and Alex and Andrew.
6: Hello, everyone. Thank you so much, Andrew, and everyone else for the great work you do. I really, really appreciate it. Um, so, I do have a question. Is regards to the police department? I've been following the news, and even today, I watched and I saw that many um, police chiefs and everyone of the police department they are quitting. So, my question is about that: Is that all coming from the whole uh, defund the police thing, or is that just fear or something happening? Thank you so much.
1: Mm. Well, I'll let the others comment on this, but I I think that policemen are not respected. They are being restricted in a sense. Their hands are being tied behind their back and asked to go out there and put their life on the line, and they aren't even free to defend themselves because there have been some policemen who have been wrong and have done things wrong. I'm not defending everything, but as a whole, policemen are God's messengers, Romans chapter 13, for our good, and I, I admire the police and the sheriff's department, but they are being ridiculed, put down. They are so restricted on what they can do yeah. that I heard that there was an entire police department that quit yeah. walked out. Yeah. I wonder why that doesn't happen more because they, won't, they go arrest somebody and they don't even put them in jail. They give them uh, freedom with no bond. And stuff like this, and it's just
3: so frustrating that they feel like, what's the use? Yeah, yeah. And and you know, policemen risk their lives for. Uh, I read this has been several years ago, but the average pay was uh, in the around thirty thousand mm-hmm. dollars, twenty-eight, twenty-nine thousand, and going out there fighting all manner of you know criminals, violent people, and then if they do get an arrest. Uh, Chances are an activist level judge will just let the person go. And that's called the recidivism rate. People that have been locked up time and time and time again. We need to pray. Uh, And when I was a pastor back in North Carolina, uh, Andrew, we would have a dinner and a big lunch. And we just invited all the highway patrol, law enforcement, the first responders, and we just said, we want to say thank you and we want to pray over you. And um, I have found that they really appreciate a little attaboy.
1: We've done that here. We've had picnics for them and done things. We bought all of the sheriff's department uh, bulletproof vest, helmets, and things like that. And we've contributed two horse trailers, I think. And we do quite a bit
0: of stuff. Can I add one thing to the response there? Uh, After the George Floyd uh, killing uh, or death, you know the the blue states reacted with all this defund the police and one of the things that happened here in Colorado that kind of didn't get a lot of attention it's a legal thing is they, they eliminated immunity for police officers. What that means is that now po- police officers, they could always be, a civil rights lawsuit could always be filed. If a policeman violates your rights, you can always uh, sue the government, right? But they took the, they said, now you can not only sue the government, you can sue the police officer individually, and he's individually liable for that. So imagine you're out there Under the, your life is in danger every day that you're on the job, and you make one mistake and it could cost you everything. And so that's another reason why there, it's getting really hard to keep keep people on the force. If I was a police, I
1: would find it very, very hard to do my job. Mm -hmm. I'm not sure I wouldn't quit. Yeah. So anyway, we need to pray for them, and that's exactly what the Scripture says for those that are in authority. All right, we got time, I think, for one more call. Let's go to James in Pennsylvania, and you're on Truth and Liberty with Richard, Alex, and Andrew.
6: Oh, yes. Good afternoon. I was just calling to thank you all for what you do. I really appreciate it. Well, bless
3: you.
1: Is that all you wanted to do, just thank us? Yes, sir. Well, what a blessing. You know, well, you remind me of those 10 lepers. All 10 got healed when only one came oh, back to say God, thanks. James, I believe God is going to bless you big time. That really encourages me. And he's thinking that on our notes here, he's thinking our, our crew too. Amen. Isn't Thank nice? you, James. That's really good. And you know what? If we had more people that were thankful, I, I think that it would make our society a lot oh, better. Amen. Most people I always have to come and complain about something
3: god so, bless you brother yeah god bless thank you, you
1: very much all right so let's go to sarah in washington and you're on truth and liberty live call in show welcome sarah.
2: welcome sarah all right thanks for taking my call um the reason i'm calling is i'm just wondering if there's some recourse or something that we can do in relation to this my husband and i have not liked the ungodliness we're seeing from our, c- our city council members and their decisions are affecting our small town we live a little bit outside of Tacoma. Um, So my husband's currently running for a position on city council. and It's been very interesting. So since he's running, we put up a big sign on this prime. uh, It's a residence fence where a lot of people drive through the town. And, you know, it says basically to vote for him. And it's the same place we put up a large sign for a different candidate for a different thing, Not a problem. But this time, the opponent had a resident complain about this sign, saying that it didn't meet the code. So this uh, resident got a letter. It says it's a nuisance violation, and it said that it, uh, it's in code violation because the fine can be a maximum of uh, two two feet by two feet or so, two square feet by two square feet. And if they don't take it down in two weeks, then there's going to be civil fines, abatement, a possible lien on their property.
7: Mm. Okay. So my well,
1: friend, you know, Each city has different codes, and so I don't know specifically, but I'm going to let my lawyer over here answer this he's he's more
0: versed on this. well it's a, a uh, interesting uh, question Sarah I think um, yeah cities have the power municipalities have the power generally to regulate things like signage and, and the appearance of stuff uh, any including campaign uh, signs um, as long as they allow a reasonable opportunity for people to uh, you know inform others of, of their candidacy and stuff like that but in that particular situation uh, what I'm hearing is the possibility of discriminatory enforcement, and so that they can't do. Uh, they, if, if they don't ever enforce this regulation and now all of a sudden they're enforcing it against your husband, that's a concern. I'm not saying it's necessarily illegal, but it, it would be a concern and something that needs to be pointed out. And uh, um, so that's something to look into. They have so to be even-handed. At the very least,
1: she ought to go and say, why didn't you enforce this before on other uh, people that put up signs like
0: that? Yeah, yeah. And, and uh, you know, you might need to confer with a specialist attorney on free speech. and. Uh, um, I, I would recommend uh, several of our strategic partners on that. Uh, Liberty Council, Liberty Institute, and Alliance Defending Freedom might all be interested in your case. Yeah. Very good. Mm-hmm. Well, I think we got time for one more
1: call. That's awesome. So let's go to Will in Virginia, and Will, you're on Truth and Liberty Live call-in show.
6: Hello, Andrew, every, uh, everybody. Uh, yes, thanks sir. Thanks for the show. I just have a, a thinking question. Uh, If we, I mean, we know we're in a spiritual battle, and if we can agree that this world is under attack by the God of this world, who is Satan and his armies, then who on earth can stand against him? No, we can't call the police or the army or the Navy or NATO or the United Nations or Islam or the Vatican, but I wonder how many people as born again believers truly understand their responsibility because we're the only ones that can stand between Satan and this entire planet.
1: That's true. We're the only ones that really have the authority to deal with these spiritual powers. But let me also say this, Will, and that is that Satan is limited to flowing through people. And so Satan doesn't just have a free hand. It's not like we're dealing directly with the devil. We're dealing with Satan influencing people. So it's not a matter of just binding the demonic power because if the person is willingly submitting to Satan, well, then you can't just override their free will. So yes, we pray and yes, we rebuke the devil, but at the same time, we have to confront people and we have to win in the uh, arena of uh, you know truth over lies and show those people that what they're doing is wrong. So. Uh, It's not like Satan has just got this free hand. He is limited the same way that God is limited. Satan is a spirit, and he can't do things without people cooperating and supporting his agenda. You guys got anything on that? Can't improve on it,
0: except we we do have the power. I think you've got some teachings on this.
1: I do. I have some great teachings. And you know, this is a good time to advertise that We also have a phone center that's open 24-7. And you can call there, 719-635-1111. And I've got a teaching on the authority of the believer. Uh, I've got just a lot of teaching. And if you were to call, they could uh, take your questions. They could answer and tell you which materials we have that would be able to address this. And I think it could really be good. We're coming up on another break. I think we got time for one more call. But let me just say that we do have one line, I think, that's open. And you can call 719-619-2341. And right after the break, we'll be coming back to you. So let's go to Christopher in what is that Verde, Texas? Christopher, you're on Truth and Liberty Live call-in.
6: Awesome, thank you, thank you all very much for having me, and bless you and um, uh, Believer's Authority. I just gave that to a couple buddies, and they love it. So that's
1: a good um, teaching.
6: It is, it's phenomenal. I got my whole family listening to you the past couple of years. They've, I mean, it's just, it's been incredible. Um, thank you for taking my call. I really appreciate it. Um, I've never called into anything before. And, um, I really agree with you, what you said about the church being silent, but the body of believers. And frankly, I've been, I've been surprised it's taken this long for things to get this bad. And what I wanted to ask you guys about was the more time that I've spent studying our country and the legal system, specifically, the fed, the act of 1870. Um, We've operated under commerce and contract law for a long time. And I got into looking at what president LBJ did, I think is around 54 by, you know, pushing the 501 C three. And this, so it's a non-living entity instead of the church being a living body set apart or holy. And I'm, you know, what do you guys think about that? Because I feel like it's kind of like in uh, Hosea, a people perish for lack of knowledge. It just seems like there's this common theme that the evil one gets us into contracts out of our own ignorance. And we have like this spiritual contract that we don't even know is behind us yeah. that we've submitted. Well, Christopher,
1: we're coming up on a break, and I tell you, it's going to take a little bit of time to answer that question. So let's uh, go to this break, and if you can hang on, we'll come right back after the break and talk about this, because this this is really a good question. Mm -hmm. I think it'll be good. So we're going to take a 90-second break, and we'll be right back, and we'll answer Christopher's question after this break. The number is 719-619-2341. Let's
0: go to this break. Andrew has many conferences and seminars around the globe each year. For the latest information on Andrew's complete speaking schedule, visit our website at awmi.net slash events.
7: You were created with a purpose, written in the heart of God. Long before you were born, he is calling you to find it. We want to help you experience his unconditional love to be equipped and empowered to become a world changer.
0: Okay, we're back on our Truth and Liberty
1: Live call-in show. Right before the break, Christopher, uh, calling from Texas, was asking about how the devil uh, can do the things that he's doing, and he specifically brought up the Johnson. uh, Is it called the Johnson Amendment? Yes. And uh, that is something that I've had to deal with. I have a little different perspective on this than Richard. He's a lawyer, and he's just trying to stick... Straight to the law, but let me say that that was more like an executive order or something. It hasn't. It wasn't passed by Congress, was it? Um,
0: actually, it was. It was oh, what? It? it was in the um, the Revenue Act of 1954, and so the oh, Internal oh, Revenue Code, which is a statute, was. Well, it, it's in there. It's section 501. So, yeah. So the reason I don't really observe
1: that very much is because they've had Pulpit Freedom Sunday for decades now, and they basically have had preachers say that that is absolutely unconstitutional. You cannot tell a preacher what to say. The preachers were involved in founding this nation, and so they have what they call Pulpit Freedom Sunday. They will send their Uh, messages to the IRS and say we're going to speak on politics, we're going to recommend this certain person come after us. And they've been defying the IRS and the IRS has never done anything because they don't have the right to do it. So, the way I look at it is that doesn't really bother me. But Richard, as my lawyer, is constantly saying that, you know, there is, they could come after us. And so, because of that, we started a 501c4 that gave us
0: freedom to get around that. So, what sayest thou, Richard? Well, so (laughs) legally, it, it's it's not as broad as what people think so all all pastors need to be encouraged about that it, the only thing it says is that uh, a 501 c3 organization cannot directly or indirectly uh, support or oppose a candidate for public office so it's political campaign activity is what we call it. It's. It doesn't mean you can't talk about policy and issues and uh, government all day long, you can do that. Uh, it's just saying, vote for Joe, don't vote for Sue. Now, th- it's not just that direct, anything indirect. But you know, the bigger question to me, Andrew, is how the church has allowed this to exist. It, I think it is unconstitutional. I think it's a, an infringement of the, the, the constitution and and our founding fathers, they understood that the church has its sphere and the government has its sphere and the government has no power to come into the church's sphere and tell it what it can and cannot do. And that's exactly what it's doing and we need to get that thing overturned. And it's my understanding that LBJ did this because
1: his opponents had a lot of 501c3 things, not necessarily yeah. church, but they were using these things to generate funds and oppose him, and he put that in to
0: silence his opponents. Well, let me say one other thing on that, is for churches now, now um, uh, not all ministries, but for churches, a church is automatically tax exempt. Yes. You don't have to apply for 501c3 status, so you don't have to subject yourself to that Johnson amendment but a lot of churches think well people want to hear that that we're 501c3 proof so they apply and then they're scared they're going to lose it if they speak out on politics right. so there's a, there's a lot to be said for not even seeking that, that status
3: if you're a church. Now, if you're not a church and you're just a Christian ministry, that's a little bit of a different matter, but. Th- this is worth talking about because I've had literally hundreds of pastors say to me, uh, well, Brother Alex, I just can't preach on this or that or gay marriage or abortion, because you know, we as a church would lose our 501c3 status. So I'll always ask them, I'll say, when did you incorporate and apply for 501c3 status? 99% of pastors will say, "Huh?" Because here, as of 1894, Congress made all churches tax exempt. Now, the IRS defines a church as a religious body gathered around a set of teachings and and here's a word for you, performing sacerdotal duties on a weekly basis. Now, the sacerdotal means the things of God, the sacraments, preaching, And um, I'm on the board of a a ministry, I assure you everybody would know the name of this, uh, very well-known ministry. And they have chapel three times a week for their staff and the ministry is led by some ordained ministers. And so they said, we're not an association anymore, we're a church. And they are because they fit the IRS definition for a church. So here's my point in all of this. Churches, uh, you go to a church, your pastor doesn't need 501c3 status because an 1894 law by Congress that is still on the books, all churches are tax-exempt. Pastor, preach, you will not lose your tax-exempt status because Congress would have to overturn a 127-year-old law. And um, I gotta say this too. I was interviewed a couple of years ago by a journalist from uh, Gannett Newspapers. Mm. And I I figured he was going to be hostile to the gospel. And I've had atheists say to me, well, it's just not fair. Churches, they have land and buildings. They don't pay tax. Well, this topic came up, and this reporter, who was not a Christian, but he did cover religion, he said, "I'm I'm thrilled churches don't have to pay taxes. I said, really? He said, look, churches do so much benevolent Absolutely. work. Mm-hmm. He said that if, if the churches, is the little corner church wasn't there, there's no way the government could fill in because the government gets many times over in terms of benevolent work, feeding the hungry, doing what we do as Christians. So pastors don't silence or truncate your preaching out of the fear of man. The Bible says the fear of man brings a snare. Amen. Preach. I agree 100%, but even if
1: I lost my 501c3, that wouldn't affect me. I'm going to do what God tells me to do, and God is my source, and I'd get my money anyway. Amen. Amen. You know, if, if somehow or another we lost all of the tax exemption, it wouldn't change my giving 1%. It Nothing. Anybody who only gives because you're going to get a tax break, let me just say, well, I better not say what I'm thinking. You hireling.
3: (laughs) (laughs) That's true. That's true.
1: (laughs) Anyway, Christopher, I hope that helped. Thank you for your call. We really appreciate it. Again, we got to thank one open line, 719 619 2341. Let's go to Patty in Michigan, and you're on Truth and Liberty with Andrew and Alex and Richard.
7: Well, hi y'all. It's nice to talk to you tonight. And I have a question for you, and thank you for taking my call, um, Mr. Andrew. I've been listening to your spirit, soul, and body teaching, and it's really, really good. In fact, all your yes. teaching has just absolutely turned my life around. And I thank you so much for that. You're uh, my question is, when you say that um, it's our, you say that our is our spirit that gets saved, and then our soul and our body. Um, follow is that is that correct in what in what you, what I listened and what I heard?
1: Yes, ma'am, that's correct. Okay,
7: okay, good. Well, then my question to you, sir, is this and that is, um, when we're addressing somebody, you know, who's you know a homosexual lifestyle, and they say, "Well, I'm saved, my spirit is saved," you know, I mean, how do you address that? I mean, how can I address that? You know, because I've, you know, I've I ran into that a few on a few different occasions, and of course, that's before I heard your teaching. And then I just, you know, have explained to them Romans chapter 1, Leviticus, you know, and what, you know, Revelation says about it too. But what can you open up a door for me that would help me to be able to explain that to somebody?
1: Well, Patty, and to answer your question, I'm going to open up the door to a lot of criticism, I'm sure. But I believe that a person can be born again and be a homosexual. I know some people that have been. For instance, uh, uh, Janet Boynes, is a friend of mine, and she was a Christian and for 14 years lived the homosexual lifestyle. And I could give you all of the reasons why she was very hurting. One person reached out to her and drew her into it, and then out of shame she lived in it. But she was a Christian. I believe it's possible for a Christian to be born again and living a homosexual lifestyle. But it is wrong. It gives Satan a direct inroad into your life. I can say that any Christian who would be living a homosexual lifestyle is in rebellion towards God. And, uh, but is that sin worse than every other sin? Did you know the Scripture says in James 2.10, if you keep the whole law and yet offend in one point, you become guilty of all. I believe the greatest sin of all is the sin of self-righteousness. And we've got a lot of religious people that think that somehow or another God owes them something and they're trying to earn it. And I think that's worse than homosexuality. But I'm saying all this to say it's possible, but something is, is really seriously wrong. And that person is going to be tormented. They're giving Satan direct inroad into their life but I believe that they could be born again and die and go to heaven. Now, any person that would take what I'm saying and say, hey, this is great. I can be a homosexual. And you are going to choose to do that, enjoy it. I doubt seriously that you've ever been born again because when you get born again, God changes your heart. You could get sucked into it like Janet did because of a crisis situation in your life. You could do it because you've been lied to from the time you're a little kid and raised by homosexual couple and taught that it's okay. You could somehow or another get trapped in it, but for you to enjoy it and then promote it and say that God made me this way, I do not believe that person is born again at all. So that's a quick answer that raised more questions than <laughs> answered probably.
3: Well, Hebrews 12, 1 and 2 says, seeing we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which does so easily beset us. And Andrew and Richard might disagree. I think different people have, shall we say, an Achilles heel, the, the besetting sin that, tempts one person might not be the temptation somebody else struggles with. And, and I agree. I mean, it's possible to be a born-again believer, but have a habitual struggle. But I think you need to be honest, and God calls us to righteousness. God calls us to uh, sanctification. And I, I think that um, it's like this. Let's, let's say there's six doors around your house, and you've locked five of the six, but you leave that one unlocked. That's where the thief comes in. I think unconfessed sin gives the devil a foothold into Absolutely. our life. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah, you know, I had an
1: employee who was raised and sexually abused by his father, or anyway, a male, uh, his whole time. And he, he came out of it, and he did not participate in it, but he still, at times, would be drawn that direction. And he came to me and talked to me about it, and it was because... of of this was the way he was raised and stuff like that. And so I can understand a person maybe struggling with a sin, but anybody who's claiming that I'm a Christian and yet I'm a homosexual and it's fine with God and God approves of homosexuality, that is an absolute lie. And you need to tell them the truth and drive them to scriptures
0: that'll show that. Uh, I I don't know that I can add a lot to what you guys are saying, Um, but we're saved by grace through faith. And that doesn't change after you get born again. The Bible says in Colossians, as you receive the Lord, so walk ye in him. And and um, and in one sense, you know, when you get saved, there's some sins that you, you're you immediately delivered from and you never see those again. And then there's other things that it, sometimes it takes time. Romans 12 says that uh, we prove the will of God by renewing our minds. And that can be a process and a change of thinking, a healing on the inside or whatever the case may be, and we can't classify sins and say, this one will send you to hell and this one don't. That's, that's wrong. John says to walk in the light as he is in the light. And if we do that, then the blood of Christ cleanses us from all sin. And if we say we have no sin, then we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. And so a homosexual who is saying willfully knows this is sin, but I'm gonna do it anyway, that's a problem. He's searing. He may endanger himself by searing his own oh, conscience. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And and could, uh, if he thinks he's in faith and is willfully walking in sin, I think the Bible says otherwise. But that is, it's hard for us to draw a bright line there. I believe that there's a
1: lot of people who claim to be Christians and they think that if you just believe that there's a God, that that makes you a Christian. But James two nineteen. Amen says you believe that there's one God, you do well. The yeah. devil's also believe in Yeah. So if just believing that there's a God isn't salvation, the devil believes that. And there's a lot of people who think they're Christians because they aren't Muslims, because they aren't Buddhists. They acknowledge that Jesus is God, but that's not salvation. So Patty, I would say, I would probably say that if a person is promoting homosexuality and saying it's okay when the Bible specifically says that it's wrong, I would doubt seriously that that person is born again. But I do believe it is possible. And uh, if a Christian is born again, they're going to be convicted and they are going to be under conviction and they're going to want to get out of it. And if you find somebody like that, then I would show them love and compassion and and help them. This Janet Boyne, she has her own ministry. You can contact her, Janet Boynes Ministry. But she uh, wanted out of this lesbian lifestyle years before she got out. And she finally had a Christian reach out. And instead of condemning her, said, I'll help you. And she actually moved in with them, had a church that embraced them. And uh, it took about a year for her to totally get out of it. And once you're trapped in that, sometimes it's hard to get out. So it's possible. But not probable that a Christian would be involved in it. Mm. Mm. Amen. So it. let's go to Rex in Ridgway, Colorado. That's not so far from here. I go through Ridgway pretty regularly. Rex, you're on Truth and Liberty with Andrew and Richard and
4: Alex. Yeah. Uh, can you hear me? Yes, sir. Yeah, it's actually Castle Rock. I don't know where they got the Ridgeway, but I used to live well, in Durango, and that was right down the road. So
1: Well, I know where Castle Rock is, too. That's even closer. Well,
4: <laughs> yeah. oh, thank you, gentlemen, all of you for your ministry. I really appreciate it. Uh, a side note, my daughter came out four years ago when she found out she had cancer to your uh, ministry in Woodland Park, and she's alive and well and 100% percent free Praise cancer-free.
1: God. Thank God. Amen. That's awesome.
4: Now, I hope you don't think I'm sitting here in Castle Rock with a tinfoil hat on, but this question might be out there a bit. Um, but there's been some recent uh, really interesting hearings in uh, Washington, D.C. Uh, concerning slash UFOs, with some pretty credible witnesses. And uh, Jesus warned us in uh, Matthew 24, Luke 21 that in the end times there would be some massive deception Do you believe that this phenomena may be a part of that? And is there any connection to Genesis 6, in your opinion?
1: Well, that is a big question. We had a uh, Truth and Liberty program just a week or two ago where one of our guests, uh, Mark Cowart, had on uh, Joseph Z, and they discussed this very thing, and it caused no small stir. And... uh, (laughs) So here's my take on it. I don't claim to be an expert. I did one time, 2 o'clock in the morning, I was driving out uh, in West Texas, and I was on a road that you didn't see anybody for 20, 30 miles. And there were these blinking red and uh, green lights up over the road, and I thought I'm coming to an intersection, and when I got there, there wasn't an intersection, and there were just these lights that were only like 20 or 30 feet above the thing. And I stopped in the middle of this road 2 o'clock in the morning and tried to figure out what it was. And I I didn't know, but I said, I rebuked this in Jesus' name. And boom, they were gone. So my opinion is I believe that there are demonic things happening in the scriptures. There's a lot of examples of Satan and angels manifesting. And I think a lot of this stuff is demonic. Now, am I saying definitively that there is no such thing as life from another? I don't know that the Scripture says that. You can extrapolate that by saying, well, those people would have to have a free will. They would probably sin. Jesus would have to die again, which the Scripture says he'll never be crucified. But the Scripture doesn't really address it, so I don't have a scriptural basis. But I would suspect that the things that are going on are uh, demonic. And last word before I'll let you guys speak, Uh, this guest that we had on, his wife was in bed, heard her name called, went outside and saw this person, and it scared her, and she rebuked it, and instantly it was gone. And in that instance, I believe that was totally uh, demonic, Uh, because when you rebuke it and it leaves, I don't know that a UFO or a UAP would do that. I think it was demonic. So... I'm not saying one way or the other definitively, but I would suspect it's demonic. Uh, when you mention Genesis 6, some people believe that there were demons that came down called the sons of God went into the daughters of men, and that's where the giants came from and things. I think that that is reading into Scripture more than what it says. I don't agree with that. Uh, So anyway, you can get way, way off into the weeds with this stuff. I I just don't go there.
3: I'm glad to hear you say that. I I agree. Genesis 6, the big question, the Nephilim, uh, and lots and lots of people have called in sometimes on radio shows to disagree with me. I think it was um, carnal... Men from the line of Seth.
1: Yeah, and I think when it says sons of God, well, Adam was a son of God. I just think that's describing men went into women. Mm-hmm. I don't think it was talking about demonic stuff. Again, mm-hmm. to say that, you have to read things into the scripture mm-hmm. that aren't there. Now, can I say that they aren't, that isn't what it's talking about? No, I can't say it's, mm-hmm. you know, on a scripture, but you can't say that it is. That's supposition, and I don't base any of my beliefs. On what might have been or could have been, I just, mm-hmm. you know, I let multiple scriptures verify things, and there isn't multiple scriptures to verify that Nephilims were demonic. Right.
0: Well, I I don't uh, have a lot to add except to say that I think that um, the whole UFO thing is is deception and part of end time deception. Um, and and um, let's just say this: if you if you're in the Word and you're full of the Holy Spirit, you're not going to be. Uh, deceived by this stuff, and that's what we need to remember. And I I think um, uh, there's a scripture that comes to mind, Rex, when you refer to credible testimony uh, in those congressional hearings. Remember that there was no cross-examination, serious cross-examination of these people. And they're allowed to come in there and say what they want to say without any real investigation into it. And the Bible says in Proverbs chapter 16, um, uh, excuse me, is it uh, 18? Um, he that is first in his own cause seemeth just, but his neighbor cometh and searcheth him. And so that's a real principle uh, in the legal system that uh, you know both sides of a debate should have a shot at it. And so that was kind of political theater, that whole UFO thing, and I I don't give any credence to it personally. And and, uh, I think we need to steer clear of that whole area. And I saw those
1: interviews in front of Congress and the person who was testifying, they asked him, have you personally? Well, no, but a very credible source has said this. And so it wasn't first-hand information. And again, anytime you you, know, you play that little game, gossip, and you start something, you go through five or six people, it's gonna be distorted. So again, there's nothing to convince me that this is credible, and my first default is I'm just not gonna go there.
4: Mm-hmm.
1: So Rex, hope that helped you some. Let's go to Anita, we just got a short time left. This is a Karis student from Tennessee, and so Anita, you're on Truth and Liberty live call-in show.
5: Thank you so much for taking my call. I very much appreciate that. Um, I wanted to speak to the fact that uh, when, Andrew, you mentioned at the beginning of the show that why is it that in the last five years there have been uh, such a change? uh, Why have they gotten away with it? And I wanted to point out that I put it in the chat that in the last five years, more than ever, people actually lose their jobs. speaking out and standing up and um, I am a uh, 14-year someone who taught in academia I taught at the doctorate level and Uh um, I can tell you that the way things work in the workplace is what they do is they get their friends promoted and then as they are in leadership positions they write policies these policies are antagonistic to basically fair practices and then when you raise a question about that, you're, you're seen as a troublemaker or divisive in some way. I, I found it very di- difficult um, to be what I felt like was disingenuous um, in my management of it, whereas I wish that more people would take over the, the places of leadership and authority as deans and chancellors and presidents. I myself didn't do a very good job of negotiating um, these unfair practices that go on in the workplace. Um, I, like I said, I left after 14 years of just exhausting and, and you know, uh, things that were going on. I, I guess the question would be uh, any particular advice. I know we have Daniel and, in, in, you know, the Daniel in terms of being in a hostile environment. But in terms of negotiating workplaces, especially in academia where, you know, you, you have an environment that's very hostile, it's... Um, you know, causes you to do things that you are, you know are not correct. Um, and um, But yet we should be rising up and taking those positions, uh, higher positions, so that, you know, we have the discernment to put people in place that need to be in place so we can take those seven mountains of authority. I know that's a roundabout question, but <laughs> I just well, don't know if you have any thoughts or advice.
1: <laughs> Anita, let me say that you just have to stand up and be willing to take the flak, And I'm, I often refer back to Tyndale, who translated the Bible mm. into English, had to flee to France because they tried to kill him. They found him in France, brought him, brought him back, and they burned him at the stake. And he was a martyr. But that so infuriated the people that I think it was only 20 or 30 years after he was martyred is when King James came out and put out the King James Bible. And the blood of that martyr is one of the main things that turned the situation around.
3: You know, they say as Tyndale was burned at the stake for translating the New Testament into English, they say his last words, he cried out, oh God, open the eyes of the King of England. Mm. And so I believe that
1: there may have to be some martyrs today. Like for instance, when they were gonna come and arrest me, uh, I didn't want to go to jail, and I didn't want to have a jail ministry, but you know what? I, I can guarantee you, if they would have put me in jail, it would have caused no small stir, and I'm willing. And we may, Anita, we may have to have some people that become sacrificial lambs, standing for the truth, for people to rise up. And so... We can't control everything. All we can do is control us and our actions. And I would just say to you, Anita, and to everybody else, to not back down to stand there. And if enough of us do this, we can turn the tide.
0: That's right. And one thing's for sure, if we don't stand, it'll only get worse. That's right. Uh, In Canada, you know, there was a pastor up there that stood up against the police coming in during COVID, trying to shut his church down. His name is, I think, Palowski. Yep. I read the other day that he is facing 10 years in prison now. I uh, can't verify that, actually, but uh, that's Canada. Let's, let's fight. we got to fight.
1: I've talked to him on the phone. He was scheduled to come here and yes, meet sir. with me, and he was a couple of hours late, and I had other things to do, and so we missed connections. But you know, he, he stood up. He came from a Soviet bloc, yeah. and he saw this kind of stuff happened in Poland, I think is mm-hmm. where he came from, and he, he's not going to let it happen in Canada. or He's trying not to. They're after him. So anyway, Anita, we just have to stand up and, you know, I have people that come to me and say, but if I do this, they'll fire me. Who cares? Mm. I'm not saying that I don't care, but I'm saying it's not going to change my actions. Wasn't it, uh, it was either John Adams or John Quincy Adams that said, duty is ours, results are God's. Amen. And mm-hmm. that's all we can do is just do what's the right thing. And if it costs you your job, if it costs you being thrown in jail, we just have to stand up. And if we'll do that, if enough of us will do it, it'll turn things around. Mm-hmm. So thanks, Anil. Let's go to Frank and uh, from Missouri. And uh, Frank, we just have a very brief time. Could you make your question or comment pretty uh, concise?
6: Yeah, that, that's too bad, because I got three questions. I want to ask uh, R- uh, Richard, uh, has he heard about the Boy Scout uh, abuse case? I want to ask Alec uh, about the restrainer, and, he- either let- and I want to ask you, uh, Andrew, about uh, the Melchizedek priesthood. So that's a whole lot in one minute, eh?
1: Well, yeah, that's, pick. <laughs> those are some great questions. So uh, who wants to take up one of these?
3: Well, uh, Frank, thanks for calling. Uh, the, the Second Thessalonians 2, 6 and 7 talks about the restrainer and the mystery of iniquity. And uh, as I understand it, the restrainer is going to be taken out of the way. I think what's going to uh, open the floodgates for the seven-year tribulation is going to be, I think, and I believe in the rapture of uh, the church getting called out and the, the church is a restraining force. The Holy Spirit is a restraining force. But I, I think, and, and you guys feel free to disagree, the the Spirit of God that restrains evil, we think things are bad. Well, it'd be way worse if Absolutely. the Holy Spirit Absolutely. wasn't working. And at least to a degree, the restraining hand of God by the Holy Spirit will be withdrawn. Uh, to what degree? Uh, only God knows. But. Satan does a lot, but he would do a whole lot more if the Holy Spirit let him.
1: We don't have any clue no. what the world would be like if God hadn't been operating through people throughout history. Amen. Hitler came very close mm-hmm. to conquering the world with yeah. Japan's help, and yet the body of Christ stood up. And things are totally different. We could only guess what would have happened, but I can guarantee you there has been a restraining force. So as bad as it is, it could have been much, much worse. Mm-hmm. Man, we're just about out of time. So, Frank, thanks for your call. And Marsha and Ray, we're sorry. We just don't have time to get to your questions, but we sure appreciate you calling. And let me just say once again that we have that little QR code down on the bottom of the screen. And if you would like to come and be a part of our Truth and Liberty uh, conference, it is powerful. The, music, the musical that we're going to have on uh, you know, honoring Uh, the overturn of Roe versus Wade, it's going to be worth everything. Our speakers, uh, Lucas Miles, David Barton, Janet Porter, all of us. Chad, yeah,
0: Chad Connolly.
1: Chad Connolly, and it's going to be a powerful time. You could use that QR code and you could register. We'd love to have you be a part of it, and uh, it's going to be a special, special time. Amen. Anything else you want to say?
0: On that conference, uh, we've got more exhibitors this year than we've ever had. So over 40 strategic partners and like-minded organizations where people can connect and find a place to plug in and make a difference.
1: And let me say that if for some reason you had a question or something was stirred on the inside of you and you didn't get it answered, we have a phone center that's open 24 hours a day. 719-635-1111, and there's people there that will take your call, pray with you. They have access to over 200,000 hours of free material from my ministry that we can give you, and we just want to help you any way we can, 719-635-1111. We do this every day from 3.30 till 5 o'clock Mountain Time, so we're going to all three be back the next two days. It's going to be really good, so join us then for Truth and Liberty Live Call-In.